Hi, I'm Greg Eulett with Reynolds & Reynolds, and this is Connected. Today's a fun episode. I get to sit down with Ashley Yard. Ashley is the uh, Director of Client Success at Goobagoo. Uh, she's been there for uh, over 10 years at this point, so seen a lot by way of uh, evolution in uh, chat, certainly, um, leading into to virtual retailing and, and into all forms of communication with uh, with customers. But uh, she's seen she's seen quite a bit, so I'm excited for this conversation. Ashley, uh, thanks so much for joining Thanks so much, Greg. I'm glad to be here. Yep, absolutely. So, Ashley, maybe we can start uh, with just a little bit of background about you. We were chatting just before we started recording. You've been with Goobagoo for over 10 years, which is, I mean, you've seen a lot of lot of growth in that uh, 10-year time frame for sure. Um, but then also before that, you had a couple of other uh, automotive retail experiences. Um, so curious, I guess, maybe from the beginning, how'd you, how'd you get into auto retail? It's always, it always fascinates me because I swear all of us have a story, and then once we're in, it's too much fun to leave. So... Uh, yeah. I'm curious what uh, what your path is like. Absolutely. I worked in retail for a while and I didn't really love it. So I worked, went over to DME Automotive and started doing client success and support, seeing the call center side of the world. And, you know, working with dealers is really exciting. It's very dynamic. Things are changing. Things are moving very fast. There's a lot of technology. And I think I got sucked in from there. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Well, and, and uh, again, I, I go back to like, it's just, there's so much to learn. It's so much fun. The people are the best people on the planet. Um, so once you're in, it's like, I don't really want to leave, you know, there's, it's just fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, that's great. So uh, talk a little bit about uh, maybe just your your growth with Goobagoo and what you've seen. So Goobagoo is at this point, um, I mean, I think most would say the uh, probably the largest chat provider in automotive, um, you know, certainly a leader in the space uh, and and has grown into, you know, the leader in virtual retailing, uh, moving into other conversational platforms. So there's a lot of growth there. But from your perspective, as somebody who's been there for, I mean, pretty much since the beginning. Um, you know, what's, what's that, uh, I guess, maybe a little bit of behind the curtains early on stuff and, and what you've seen, how, how things have grown. Yeah, absolutely. It was really exciting going from working somewhere where we didn't have an office and I was the only account manager and kind of wondering where things were going to go. Um, but it was a lot of fun to see it grow and implement processes and procedures and scale, you know, to having, you know, 100 clients to having 500 clients now having over 6000 clients and being international. Um, it seems like it just moved really quickly. I blinked and I'm like, Oh, I've been here 10 years and we're an international <laughs> company. And we're, you know, one of the strongest providers in chat and virtual retailing. Um, it's also exciting that we started with chat, which was a core like lead generation service. And we've grown into uh, plugins and third-party integrations into virtual retailing. So it's become a, like a monster of a project where we keep adding more and more features for dealerships and becoming more and more integrated into their, their day-to-day business. And even with the Reynolds you know, acquisition, it's just continued to grow and blossom. Um, and I feel like I'm really glad to be here and I'm really lucky to have seen it in the infancy stages and seen it grow and mature to where it is now. And I'm always curious where it's going to go next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, one of the things I noticed, um, so you probably have some interesting stories, but when I was down there, I mean, it's been probably three years ago when we first met, mm-hmm. um, it was down there in, um, the office in Florida and, um, you know, one of the things that just stood out to me was, was the, 
basically the way that the banks were set up and the teams were set up of, of chat specialists. Um, obviously, in 2020, that that shifted, right? And we've kind of moved to a more virtual model, which which is great for everybody. You know, the, the levels of support are even higher. But um, I don't know, it was fascinating. So it, it was almost set up like, uh, if, for anybody that's been like in a true BDC, like in a bullpen type of place, you know, it's kind of set up like that, where you have people facing each other and two banks running down an aisle and you have a team lead on the end and different colored lights. And it was fascinating to me. So maybe, I don't know, do you have any stories about that? Yeah, absolutely. And I love the setup, but you're saying we had light systems. So when people needed to go on break, the lights would change different colors. We knew who was online. We knew who was coming back from break. Um, it was a very busy, hustling environment where there was a lot of things going on, but there was uh, a method to the madness. And uh, I think we, we learned from having other offices what we needed to be successful and what made the most sense. And I'm really glad you got to see the Boca office because it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was it was good. Um, uh, on that note, so it, it was a it was a cool office, a cool space. Um, there was an office for uh, for Brad Title. So Brad's pretty uh, uh, well known in the throughout the industry, right? He's been around for a while. He's done a few different things, Gooby Gooby and the latest. Yeah. Um, but uh, you got any fun Brad stories? Oh, so many. <laughs> um, Brad's awesome. I feel like you said a, a lot of a lot of good stories, and he's a people person. I mean, he has a yeah. lot of. Uh, customers that are lifelong customers because they followed him through the industry and knows that he's going to put out a good product and that he's going to support the product from beginning to end. And he's always going to look for the new shiny toy or the new feature that's going to bring us to the next level. Um, so he's definitely very innovative. Uh, I'm trying to think of, it, uh, of a recent story, but I feel like a lot of my stories I'll probably keep quiet. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, all right, good deal. Well, so we were you were just talking about you know all the the chat agents and how everybody was set up and kind of in the office and and uh, um, obviously moving in a more remote environment. I, I don't I don't know. I think our our chat agent count has probably grown though, uh, mm -hmm. which is great because there's you know there's a, a real need for that human interaction, right? Um, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit too and just get your perspective because you've seen again a lot of change and a lot of growth over the years on AI, right? Artificial intelligence and and kind of the growth of the chatbot, essentially. So chatbots have been around for a long time. Um, and and I, always, I always laughed, you know, for, for years. And I mean, it still kind of is today. Um, you're not going to fool somebody into thinking they're talking to a person, right? Like you just be honest with them. Hi, I'm, I'm chatbot Greg or whatever it is. Um, but as, as AI progresses and, and language models get better and better, um, where do you, I guess, kind of see that fitting into uh, the chat world and not just even chat specifically, but the conversation world, right? What does that look like in a CRM? What does it look like in chat, certainly, but texts and emails and, and everything else, right? How do, how do you see that evolving or maybe already is evolved to a certain point? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it has evolved. I know when we started, we had no AI, no chatbots. You know, this was 10 years ago. People were still calling the dealerships, still going in. Um, so I feel like it's evolved to where people are finding that blended experience. I think there's a lot of consumers like in the research stage where maybe an AI can handle their questions or tell them if the dealership hours are 10 to 6 or whatever the case is. So very basic questions. It seems like the assistive tech can do that. Um, when customers are engaged and they have a question or they need more information, you kind of need to talk to a person. You need to have something that can understand what you're asking, have some empathy, have some understanding of the situation. Um, so that's really where like the, the human aspect comes into it. Um, and then when people are ready to buy a car, like in the virtual retailing process of it, 
that's really when like the dealership involvement is there and, and they need to kind of hop in and start working the deal or start providing numbers on a sales inquiry or it updates on a service, you know, order, if you will. So I think there's this hybrid concept of we don't want to just have people answering all your chats or, or just, you know, handled that way, but you also want to have a little bit of, of a blend so that the customer gets what they want in a very quick, efficient manner. And they want convenience. Like I'm a customer too. You know, I want convenience. I want to be able to buy a car from my couch. I don't want to go spend six hours in a dealership and get the pitch from the sales guy. Um, and I think it's awesome that our tool allows a combination of all these things. And we're always working on making it better and, and finding ways to make it more efficient for the consumer, but also for the dealership users as well and, and maximizing their profits. Yeah, no, that's good. And, and I want to I want to roll that back real quick, because what I what I heard was or I think what I heard and I just want to make sure is really kind of three layers of chat. Right. So you have you said uh, sort of the research phase right of the buying process where people just want information. And, and I think you're right when you say that AI handles that the best. Right. It's it's fast. It's mm-hmm. accurate. Um, those types of questions that are true information gathering. Um, it just it adds a lot of speed. So you have that research phase, and that's kind of the AI sweet spot, right? And yeah. and the AI should be good, and it should continue to improve, and it should get the right information, and it should get it immediately, really, because um, that's what the customer wants, right? They want that immediacy. So that's the first thing. The second thing I heard you say um, was kind of a, an engagement phase, where um, you know that that customer starting to ask more in depth questions. They're they're really starting to, to to want to um, have a conversation, for lack of a better word, right? And that that engagement that they have, um, I would guess, and we can dig into this maybe in a second, but I would guess that 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 conversation, that layer is probably what makes or breaks the conversion, right? Either you see defection or you see, uh, you know, a a hand raiser. Um, So, okay, that's good. So I want to come back to that. But so the first thing was the research phase. Second thing was uh, the engagement phase. And then you said when they're ready to buy a car. So kind of the, the buy ready phase. And that's when you want to get it teed, o- teed over to a dealer, somebody in the dealership, right? A sales rep, a BDC rep, whatever that is. Um, because at the end of the day, once that customer is ready to start seeing numbers, they, they want those numbers to be consistent throughout, right? So you want that, that flow and that engagement to be the same. Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's like three phases and each one has so much depth to it, but you're absolutely right. right. I think having a little combination, I think if you're a company that only has one of these three pieces, you know, you're going to have challenges or you're going to have deflection or, or not as much conversion, but taking each of these and, and implementing them in different stages of the, of the customer journey, you can really maximize the customer experience as well as the dealership experience. And then everybody wins. Yeah. Yeah. So real quick, let's talk about, let's go back to that, um, engagement phase and, uh, you know, again, an assumption of mine. So I'm, I'm just curious your thoughts or what you've seen, but you know, when you, you get somebody into a chat or uh, not even a chat, right. You get somebody on a landing page or in, engaging with you in some way, shape or form, obviously not everybody is going to say, I want to buy that car, right. That's just right. not going to happen. Um, but the, the job of, um, you know, the, the dealership and then obviously anybody in, in chat or any other service provider is to get that person to raise their hand, right? To get that conversion, um, yeah. to get them turned over to a salesperson to then allow them to sell. Um, so h- have you seen a difference or I guess maybe go a little deeper on what that middle phase means when it comes to conversion? Yeah, absolutely. So that's like you said, the make it or break it area. If if someone's asking questions, you need to build trust pretty quickly. You need to give them some info 
um, but they're not to the level yet of being ready to buy a car. So you need to give them a little bit of what they're looking for or answer some basic questions. Um, and I know sometimes it's stuff that a chat or a third party can do. And sometimes it's something that the dealership needs to do. So making sure that we're building trust pretty quickly and making sure that you're giving the customer a little bit, but you're also capturing like what the next couple steps are so that you're building, it's almost like having a phone call or having someone on the lot and you're trying to work the same type of process, but you're doing it either through text, through chat, through you know Facebook or any kind of those channels because there's so many channels now that all tie back to one place um, that you get to leverage that. And the customer could be, in their car, a customer could be on their couch. So again, it's just super convenient for the customer to get a little bit more research or a little bit more information about a car they wanna buy, maybe even a video walk around of the car, saves them a trip to the dealership. They don't have to feel the pressure of a salesperson, um, but they get the info they want so that they can continue to the buying process. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You, you mentioned something that just stood out to me. I don't know why. It's probably because it's, it's top of mind. It's recent memory. But um, you said, you know, whether they're on chat, whether they're on Messenger, whatever. Um, so I have never spent more time on Facebook Messenger than I have in the last two weeks. So I, I coached my daughter's softball team. And we were doing tryouts over the last handful of weeks. And, and I had more parents reach out via Facebook Messenger mm -hmm. than any other platform. Like, my cell phone number's out there. You know, you can text me. Um, yeah. And, and it was great. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining in any way, shape or form. But what I'm getting to is what have you seen over the years and kind of maybe most recently on methods of communication, right? So there's a lot of them, but I would assume you have kind of chat on the website, you have um, text, I'm guessing SMS, right? And then you have messenger, probably the top three, but I don't know. What do you see? Yeah, those are the top three for sure. It's funny how often people are on Facebook and they'll start a messenger conversation and they'll think they're talking to someone, you know, at the dealership. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're talking to a Google group rep or, you know, a third party. Those are definitely the top three channels. And it's amazing to me. There's so many layers of channels. You know, you have like Google, you have Apple, you have AutoTrader, things like OfferUp and all these channels. It's nice that we can connect them into one platform for the dealerships, and then they can communicate to so many users that maybe they didn't communicate before, and they were waiting for those people to either come into the dealership or call the sales line, but now they have like a wider net of channels to kind of service all these customers and kind of keep everything under one umbrella. Have you noticed a difference in, um, you know, maybe position in the funnel, uh, like the buying process uh, by channel. So, you know, I, I would imagine Messenger is like, it's almost a, a non-personal, like safe right. way to communicate with somebody, right? You're not texting them. They don't have your cell phone yeah. number. Um, uh, so you maintain a little bit more control over that interaction. Um, you know, chat, if it's on the website, I feel like you're engaged. Maybe you're, you're a little further down if you're looking at a specific vehicle, something like that. But again, these are assumptions. So I don't know if, if sure. uh, you've noticed anything. I'm kind of curious there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and your, your gut's telling you the right thing. I feel like with Facebook, it's a very um, non-personal. It's very like you can just ask a question. So we see a lot of um, non-purchase related or non-serious inquiries come in through Facebook. It's usually people say, asking for something personal, like I want to speak to someone or, hey, I had this complaint, you know, about an experience or about a situation. So those seem to be not further down the funnel, but people yeah. who are mobile seem to be very engaged and they can 
pick back up where they leave off in text. So I feel like if you're on the website, whether it's desktop or mobile, or if you're texting, you're pretty engaged. And I feel like texting is starting to be more and more popular. People aren't as timid as, hey, it's pretty personal. Like, great, no offense, I've never texted you. But uh, <laughs> you know, if someone wants to buy a car, I think they want to have a little bit of space between them and the dealership at first until there's a level of trust or a level of information. Um, but texting allows them to you know, go back and forth a little bit, build a little rapport, and then they can get further into the funnel. So to your point, I think mobile and SMS are like our, our lower funnel customers. And then, of course, people in the VR our virtual retailing tool, um, they're pretty down the funnel because they've already found a car, they're already engaged, they already kind of know what they're looking for. So I feel like those have a very high conversion rate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's let's talk about that a little bit, VR, and get into that because it's um, I, I love where we've gone with it. I think it's it's pretty amazing. I think we've we've gotten to the point where you know you can truly have uh, a single deal, right? From from that first interaction on the website, all the way through you know a funded e contracted deal electronically, whether they do it remotely or in the store, doesn't doesn't really matter. It's all the same deal. Yeah. Um, so that's a that's a long putt from. Hey, let's have some people answering chats, uh, <laughs> you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, so, so talk a little bit about maybe an insider's view of that evolution and what it's looked like, uh, from your seat, you know, being there for, for over 10 years and kind of seeing, you know, these, these phases roll out and, and ultimately, you know, in the last handful of years, getting to the point where, I mean, the, the VR platform from, from Goo Goo, and it's, it's really been built out to the point where you don't need anything else. Right. And it's built into, the CRM to desking to to the DMS to to FNI like it's all one one piece so um, yeah. I don't know talk about it from an insider's point of view absolutely and you're right it's like an all in one solution which is awesome it's definitely taken some time to get here <laughs> there's been lots of versions of it you know I didn't realize how much paperwork sometimes goes into each deal and how many different rules and different rates and residuals and state laws and county differences and taxes. So there's layers upon layers of getting all this stuff to work into one tool so that consumers can buy a car online and even have it delivered to their house. So we have a lot of customizations out there for the dealerships to make sure it's following all the requirements, but it's also fitting how they want to work a deal. And we have a lot of partners out there that have helped us kind of take things to the next level. So it started off, you know, with a few features and then it's evolved and now it's evolved even further. So it's really exciting to see where we are and I'm always curious, okay, well, what are we gonna come out with next? And I know one of the big things is, you know, the in-store experience. So being able to maybe start some of the process at home and then finish it in store and have that be seamless for the customer, but also for the dealership. So we're always trying to make the customer experience better so that they'll come back and they'll have more right. business. But we're also trying to help the dealerships simplify their processes, have less tools to log into. Um, so there's a lot of layers to that, but it's really exciting. And it's, I think it's had its growing pains at certain points, but I also think it's really awesome to work with so many different providers, you know, out in the space like KBB, different DMS providers, um, our own internal teams getting to collaborate more together has been really fun to see. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Um, so you mentioned you mentioned how much paperwork is is included in signing a card. Do you know? So on average, do you know how long if you if you printed out every piece of paper uh, that it takes to do a car deal, and you laid it end to end, any guesses on how long that is? 
I want to guess like six hours, but I, I don't know. I try to avoid paperwork. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. So if you like actually measure it out, so you have whatever, eight and a half by 11 or legal size yeah. paper, it's 39 feet, 39 feet of paper. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. And I feel like 39 feet of paperwork might take six hours. So we'll go there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, it's wild. But then you're, you're right when you talk about all the different variables, too. And that's that's one of the biggest things. And one of the biggest hurdles is, um, you know, you don't set it and forget it on any of this stuff. Right. And especially for a dealership who's selling, uh, you know, that's anywhere near a state line, if they're selling across state lines or even even county lines, to your point, with tax rates, um, it, you know, when you look at a, a tenth of a percent, that can be a lot over 40 grand, right? Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it can be a dramatic difference. So um, that can adjust the payment quite a bit. And it's a difficult conversation when you have to sit down with a customer and, and walk them through why their payment's $56 higher than what they thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's a painful conversation with, you know, yourself slash your, your boss when you have to back into a deal and you end up taking profit out of it so you can match the payment. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really frustrating, awkward conversation. So you gotta, you gotta make sure you're on top of that stuff. Um, because if you're not, then that's, that's when those, those kind of bad days happen. Yeah. We don't want any of those bad days. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, so let's talk a little bit too about, you mentioned the in-store experience and, um, one of the things that, that I'm always interested in and I can never seem to, to find, I mean, I, I know, I know what we do with Goobagoo, but it seems like there's different kind of narratives out there on, uh, offering F and I products online, right. And whether that's assisted with somebody in the dealership helping, whether that's, um, you know, self-guided where it's just, you know, the, the customer kind of going through the process. Um, do you, I don't know, do you have a take on the value of offering F and I products online? Because I still feel like, well, I, I, I know in a lot of ways, because we've asked consumers on many different occasions, we've done these studies where, you know, what, what do you find value in? And one of the things they always come back to in the car buying process is talking to somebody that, that can educate them on finance options and insurance products. Yeah. Uh, because in so many ways, you just don't, so many people don't know what's out there, right? And they don't know what these things are. They certainly don't understand the value they bring to them. So why would they spend a few thousand dollars on them? Um, but they, they do definitely see value and crave education, right? So somebody that knows what they're talking about so they can at least make an informed decision. Uh, so anyway, that's a really long way of asking the question. I don't know what your, what your take is on, uh, F and I products online. Yeah, I think to your point, it needs to have, uh, you have to appeal to the customer. So having a little bit of self-education, but also having someone who can answer their questions in real time, who's a subject matter expert, you know, who knows how to explain it, simplify it, give them their options. So I, I feel like whenever the the dealers can interact with the client directly and just answer some of those is the best experience, but giving them a little bit of information to self-serve will get those people to, to bite and to understand like, oh, I know a little bit. So now I have better questions <laughs> that I can go to the dealership with. And so I think it's a hybrid. Yeah. So, okay, that, that brings up another another thought. Um, and maybe I'm going down the wrong path here. But so you mentioned when we first started talking about the layers of chat, you had uh, research phase, engagement phase, and kind of ready to buy phase. So inside of that ready to buy phase, then, um, I wonder if consumers, or if, if at least there's the potential for consumers to then revert back to the beginning of that process, if they're, you know, once they get into sort of that F&I area. So, yeah. you know, they're ready to buy, and they've moved into a virtual retail environment, and they're engaging with somebody at the dealership. Uh, but then maybe they're looking at products, right? They're looking at uh, uh, insurance products, and they have a question. So, 
I don't know if it's a pretty straightforward question, then does that put them back into a research kind of phase where AI could be better equipped to answer those questions quickly and immediately versus somebody in the store or like a chat agent? I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think having uh, customers in different phases, you know, you have like your majority of what's going to happen, but to your point, having them get to the buying phase and then have questions, they can still use, uh, we still kind of hybrid the AI as long as the chat, as well as the chat specialist. So I feel like there's a little bit of everything going on, even though there's each phase has its majority shareholder, I guess you could say, or majority (laughs) thing that it uses. Um, Once they do ask a question, I think having a little bit of the assistive tech or AI and a little bit of a human chat specialist that can understand the complexity of maybe what the question is, because there wouldn't be anything worse than having an F&I question and have assistive technology tell you something that's wrong. And then as a consumer, you're like, this is a poor experience. So I think uh, making sure you have accurate information and making sure, like you said, it can kind of toggle between all three of the options that are out there is probably the best way that any any of this can work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, no, that makes sense. I just, I, I just kind of thinking through it. It's like, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. inside of the overarching funnel, there's these little mini funnels at each point, yeah. right? Each, each point that you have an opportunity to sell. Um, you know, whether it's accessories, whether it's, you know, finance, whether it's insurance products, whatever it is, um, any, any opportunity to sell, you have these little mini funnels inside of the broader ones. So I don't know, it's, it's an interesting way to look at it. Um, all right. What, what else, what haven't we talked about, Ashley? What else you want to touch on? Uh, you know, I think there's some, some benefits or limitations of AI, you know, and I think we're in that spot where, you know, chat GPT is out there and there's all this new technology. And I think dealers are, some dealers are scared of it. Some dealers are excited about it. I think there's a level of, you know, uh, hesitation maybe because we're kind of stuck in our ways. And a lot of times it's like, Hey, we've always done it this way. Don't put new, new technology out there. Um, but I do think there's a lot of, like you were talking about earlier, just instant answers or faster responses. You know, that has been one of the the big benefits of, of the assistive tech coming out, I think as well, like monitoring some of the challenges and making sure we get ahead of those is the key to success because not having a customer who's upset or frustrated, you can lose their trust pretty quickly. So you have to be able to work around that or to make sure that you're, you're building it out of the gate and then you're using a blended experience to make sure that they're getting answers, but they're getting the right answers and you're, you're communicating with them in a way that they want to be communicated with. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, so you mentioned chat B- GPT. Have you used that much? I can't. I've tried it, to be honest. I'm one okay. of those hesitation people. I'm like, ah, it's going to be bad. It's just going to go away. But I've used it and I'm pretty impressed. You know, I feel like this would have been helpful in high school or college. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I can see how it's so fast. You know, you type in something and it's pretty quick to spit out some answers. But I also see, you know, it's pretty... Um, like cliff notes or it's it's not always 100% accurate. So I think there's a level of hesitation on my part. Uh, What do you think? So here's a fun little when you have like, I don't know, an hour to kill because I'm sure you got nothing to do. Yeah, Um, this is a a fun little project. So so there's there anybody that you probably in a work setting communicate with via email a lot that has their own tone, right? Their own unique tone where it's like, yeah, that's something that fill in the blank would say. Yeah. Okay. So like for you, who, who would that be? Like, just pick one. Uh, probably Justin Radmaker. Okay. So with, with Justin, if you like take snippets of his emails, like the things that are, that you, do you read like the paragraph that you're like, 
Yeah, that's Justin talking. And um, you feed it into chat GPT. So like you start a little chat and it's not just ask a question, but it's, um, hey, chat GPT, I work with Justin Rademacher. He does this at Goobagoo. Um, and I want you to write an email for me in his tone. Okay. Um, here, here's, what, here's how Justin Rademacher writes emails. And then you just like paste those snippets in there. Uh, once they're in there, then you can type out something in your own words, right? So, yeah. all right, I, I want this email written in the, the tone of Justin Rademacher. And I swear it'll spit it back out to you. And you're like, holy cow, did he actually write that? <laughs> it's amazing. That, so that, that's a use case where like it's, it's wild how much it can just draw on those, those specific words or phrases and, and put it together in that way. That is awesome. I'm going to try that next time I have some free time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a fun it's a fun use case. I mean, there's there's a lot of use cases that uh, really bright people are coming up with, and uh, you know, a lot of it is you know certainly for the the big topics that there's a lot of information out there on. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you can kind of plug and play, but you can also use it in that way where you you have the input, which then gets you the output that you want. Yeah. Um, it's not just an output tool. You can also kind of train it and put it in there. So it's, it truly is, it acts certainly as, as machine learning technology where it'll understand your inputs and then provide you the outputs that you're looking for. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I can see it really having a benefit on the automotive industry and just kind of where things are going in other industries as well. But I think it's uh, pretty unique. So I'll, I'm just going to play with it a little bit. Yeah, I wonder if with with chat or even with just like live plays or something like that, if we could do that with uh, with dealers, right? So if there's a dealer who's a prominent figure in the dealership or in the community um, or in the region, and especially if they have their own tone, right, their own kind of flair, yeah. Um, you know, if we could do that with them to kind of program out, you know, phrases or how they would respond, I think that could be really interesting. That would be cool. I know for sure we're using a lot of different technology, like predictive text, machine learning, you know, throw this in there, maybe. <laughs> I'm sure our product and dev teams have a lot of uh, tools in their toolbox. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they're the they're the best working on things from all different all different angles, for sure. Um, uh, one other thing I, I wanted to to bring up, and I don't know, you know, if this is going down a, a rabbit hole, we don't want to follow. That's fine. Um, but something that's eternally fascinating to me, especially in a remote setting, right? So Goo naturally, it's a remote setting. It's it's chat. It's virtual retailing. Um, you know, everything is pretty much done online. Moving to in store, but again, it's still that blended experience where you're you're carrying over the remote experience. Um, yeah. But e-contracting um, and e-leasing and, and all everything that goes along with it um, has grown a lot in the last three years for, for pretty obvious reasons, but not the least of which being that it's the right thing to do, right? There's yeah. there's pressure coming at dealers from all different angles. You have consumers that just want things to be fast and easy. You have lenders that, that want to move that way for you know lower risk and, and uh, speed of transaction and, and fewer people, that type of stuff. And then you have just the general operating principle of, of speeding up cash flow, right? Getting money in the bank faster. Yeah. Um, so with, with Goobagoo <clears throat> really moving forward and, and pushing the envelope in virtual retailing, um, you know, clearly contracting is a part of that that needs to be uh, integrated and, and it is, but uh, curious what you've seen from an evolution perspective, because that adds a whole nother layer, right? It's one thing to be able to calculate a deal. Mm-hmm. It's another to be able to connect with lenders um, and make sure that, that each one of them has everything that they need. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any perspective on that at all. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was like the final stage of everything, right? Is being able to e-sign and, and use different tools and make sure you have all of 
the compliance information, all of the legal information to, to close the deal. And, and it's really exciting to know that we have that capability and that a lot of the dealers are excited about it. I think there's some hesitation. You know, there's some, hey, we'll, get, we'll do that when the customer comes in the store. Uh, but there's a lot of dealers who are like, hey, let's save them a trip. You know, let's make this fast and convenient for us, fast and convenient for the consumer. Um, I'm just surprised. I thought it was going to take us a lot longer to get there, to be honest, because of all the complexities and the fact that we have that available. It's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. So uh, what's next, right? You get to talk to dealers pretty much every day, yeah. right? And you have for, for a while now, right? Mm-hmm. Over a decade. Um, so what are you hearing? What are people wanting to do? And, and I'm sure some of it is stuff that we can do already. Some of it's stuff that we're going to do in the future. Um, but but what are you hearing? Any, any consistent themes where it's like everybody wants to do this thing? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. And I feel like we get so much feedback of a lot of it is, hey, we love your tool. We want it to do this, or we love this part of it. Can you customize it in this way? So we're constantly evolving how we can customize or how we can more brand it to each dealer or group, you know, so that way it's more in their tone or in their logo or in their color scheme, I guess you can say. So that's what we hear the majority of. Um, We also hear a lot of hey, can you integrate with this person over here or this CRM provider? So we're always working on more integrations where it can eliminate extra systems, extra costs, extra whatever. So those are the two biggest trends. Um, I think people are also trying to figure out like how to sell more cars with spending less money. (laughs) So, you know, trying to find ways to cut out any middleman, trying to find ways to simplify the process. So to your point, what else can we add into the virtual retailing flow to make it simpler for the consumer, but also make it simpler from a dealer point of view or maybe cut out a cost? Yeah. Okay, good. Good. Um, well, Ashley, I could talk to you for uh, for hours for sure, but I want to be obviously respectful of your time and, and let you get back to, back to your team. But um, what haven't we touched on that we should? Anything else that you want to dive into at all? No, I think we covered everything. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. For sure. Glad you could hop on. Uh, Ashley Yard, uh, Director of Client Success at Goobagoo. Thanks so much. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks. Well, it was a fun conversation with Ashley Yard from Goobagoo. I'll tell you, um, when we first uh, acquired Goobagoo, when Reynolds first acquired Goobagoo, I went down to their office. We kind of talked about it a little bit, Ashley and I did. But I could tell that uh, her and her and Brad Title definitely have um, you know, they go back a ways, we'll say. And so I was hoping we could get maybe a story out of her, but it uh, didn't happen. So that's okay. Uh, maybe next time, or if you're ever, if you're ever on the phone with Ashley, try to pry something out of her that way. But anyhow, appreciate you joining that conversation. It was a lot of fun for me. I hope you enjoyed it too. Uh, don't forget, you can watch or listen to all episodes of Connected on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify podcasts. Uh, make sure to hit subscribe so you're notified every other week when new episodes are released. Thanks so much for joining today and we'll see you in two weeks.